Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I'm Connie, along with Katy Perry lookalike contest runner-up Meg. This is episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You got me. This is episode 14. Bobby Joe Stinnett, Lisa Montgomery, and the death penalty. And I'm gonna let Meg tell you all about these. Yes. So I talk to people about gruesome in general a lot. Um, and most of the time, it's like a certain part of an episode they liked or they'll like suggest a case for us to check out. But something that kind of caught my attention recently is that people have been suggesting that we are somehow brave for talking about the death penalty and our opinions on it. But um, I feel like it always boils down to the fact that the death penalty for us, Connie and I, me and you, <laughs> it's a gray area. Area because death Absolutely. can't be undone. Yeah, and yeah. there's very great with it. Yeah, there's so many cases that we don't know 100% for sure that this person did it, or there are instances, especially for me, that I personally don't believe that the death penalty is warranted when people are severely mentally ill or they have some kind of like psychotic break. I I think I I do agree in that sense. I think I'm more like pro death penalty in cases than you. I would say like you give a little bit more leniency. Yeah, um, I definitely yeah I definitely don't think if you're mentally ill like I I struggle with this one because I think there's varying degrees of mentally ill. I think that. Anyone who is doing anything that could grant them the death penalty is arguably mentally ill. Yeah, so that doesn't I mean think, they shouldn't be punished. Like, absolutely. Yeah, I just, but, I don't I, know. It's, it's so hard because you can't, you're right. It's like, that's it. Like, yeah, there's eye no eye kind of thing. And it's, I, especially if it has to do with kids, I am very pro death penalty when it comes to certain situations. Um, if there's been a series of events like serial killers, I think. Yeah, the for death sure. Penalty, Definitely. Like, if there's a serial situation happening, I'm most likely pro-death penalty in those cases. I, my biggest pet peeve that I hate when it comes to these type of cases is when it's horrific and terrible and it involves children and people take plea deals to cop their ways out. We talked about Chris Watts. That's the biggest one that I'm just... Oh, yeah, that mother... It just gets... Yeah, I just... In situations like that, I'm like, okay, fine. Like, you don't have to do it, but I will. Like, sign me up. I'll be the one to go... I'll do it. <laughs> Put me in coach. Okay, so so full disclosure, we are re-recording this episode kind of. Yeah. Because yep. we recorded last Monday and two days later they rushed the execution for the person that we are talking about today. Yeah, so it was it, a surprise. We had no idea. We woke up, ironically, on a Wednesday, because, you know, on Wednesdays <laughs> were gruesome. We woke up 
And that was the headline that Meg sent me like first thing in the morning. And it literally was like, God damn it. <laughs> we got to re-record now. Because the whole time we were, the whole time we were in the last episode, we were like, we don't know. We'll keep everyone updated. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. Intense, it's such an intense case to have to like, okay, we're going to go through it again. So, I know. It's kind of like, okay. <laughs> so the woman that I want to talk about today is Lisa Montgomery. And her death sentence had been rescheduled several times. It was most recently moved from, it was on on December 8th, but then her lawyers got COVID. And so they postponed it. And in late December, they submitted a petition to Donald Trump stating that after a lifetime of abuse and torture, which we will get into, that Lisa was too mentally ill to be executed and she deserved mercy. But that did not stick because her sentence was just moved to January 12th. But when they sent that petition, they fully expected it to be at least postponed. And Mm -hmm. this happened with a couple of other men on death row as well. The lawyers were like, well, if we can postpone until Biden is in office, then we have a shot of these people not getting the death penalty, essentially. Because there were... Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, I don't know, like for a little insight for our listeners in this, there has been an insane amount of executions this last year, I guess, 2020. Yeah, it is nuts. Um, for a little, uh, little insight for you. Since 1976, you know, 45 years ago, there have been 13 completed federal death penalties, and 10 of them were done last year, 2020. And three of them were in 2003. So there was like a 17 gap even between just those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so in addition to like all of that, there's this booming case of COVID happening in all of our prisons. So Terre Haute, Indiana is where these people are executed. And when they were also trying to get it postponed because 14 of the 20 inmates were all COVID positive, plus the in, like the employees that work there. It, it was just like, oh, oh my God. But I, it's it's gnarly. It's a whole nother episode, the COVID prison situation. Yeah, it's, it's that, wild. Uh, I That's a tough one. And it's crazy to me that it was rushed like that, that we have people like Richard Allen Davis. It's just like, yeah. hey, Who, who's just still chilling so late? Yeah, like, oh, because it's not federal, which we'll get into all of that. And, and I know we'll get to it because we've already recorded this, <laughs> recorded this one already. So Lisa is the primary case. Well, Lisa and her victims. Uh, it's going to be the one I talk about today, but I'm going to talk about a couple of others afterwards. And I know that it is going to be polarizing, but I think it's still an important case. Um, so very serious trigger warning for you guys. Lisa's crime is fetal abduction, which is what resulted in the murder of Bobby Joe Stinnett, her victim. Fetal abduction is when a fetus or a baby is abducted from the womb of their mother by a crude C-section. So I read, um, I read one where a woman cut open a lady's belly with her keys and took her uh. baby out. And I was just like, how do you even, what? Your keys? I think about I, like how Issei Sagawa couldn't cut through that lady's butt with a knife. Like, yeah, just wild. I think in those situations, the rage that has to be coming or the pure, I know as bad as it sounds, determination. Adrenaline, yeah, adrenaline, determination for sure. It's so, it, ugh. Uh, I know, I know it's, ugh. it's exactly what it is. So this episode, we're going to talk about ugh, trigger warning, fetal death, death of mothers, death of children, kidnapping, among other things. And they are super 
super traumatic. And I just want everyone to have that heads up. that This is what's going on. Yeah, we completely understand if an episode like this is not for you. There's going to be plenty more coming after this. So if you need to skip it, honestly, we (sighs) get it. We still like you. Yeah, we still Um, love you. A little history on fetal abduction. It's so it's not like when a baby is stolen from a hospital after birth or when like a child is removed after birth from their parents. Uh, It's legitimately they have to like cut the mom open and take it out. And there was a really large scale instance of it uh, during the Dirty War in Argentina. It's believed that up to 500 babies were taken from prisoners of war out of Mm. the mom's. It's crazy. And in the world, currently, there have been 18 cases of fetal abduction between 1983 and 2015, but there were 25 attempted cases also in that time. It's kind of rare. I mean, it's pretty rare considering. I I have no words for situations like this. I know. It's awful. So we're going to talk about Bobby Jo Stinnett. And she was 23 on December 16, 2004. So 16 years ago. Technically now 17, I guess. She was also eight months pregnant with her very first baby. Bobby was married to a man named Zeb. And together... In addition to their jobs at a Kawasaki manufacturing plant, they ran a dog breeding business. They bred and sold rat terriers out of their home in Skidmore, Missouri. Bobby was a member of a rat terrier forum called Ratter Chatter, where they talked all things like rat terrier, but she was a very active member of the group and the people in it were her friends. So she announced her pregnancy to this group and let them all know that her baby was due in January of 2005, which is the equivalent of like announcing it on Facebook. Yeah, I was just thinking that like, I remember seeing those type of groups, not specifically Ratter Chatter, but just those like forums. Like the Yahoo groups. and Yeah, it's like the OG Reddit. <laughs> it is. You're absolutely right. It is OG Reddit. We should bring that back. We're, we're going to go start Yahoo groups again. <laughs> yeah, see ya. You can catch us Subscribe over there. Subscribe to our Yahoo group. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so her baby was due in January of 2005. Lisa Montgomery was another woman in this rat terrier forum, and she also announced her pregnancy. She said that she was pregnant with twins, but that she had lost one of the babies, so she was going to deliver the live twin in December of 2004, a month before Bobby. So Lisa and Bobby, they began... <laughs> I'm sorry. Lisa and Bobby began messaging each other about their pregnancies and like, oh, all of the magical horrificness that comes with that. And they met in April of 2004 at a dog show in Kansas. So on December 15th, 1994, we're going to fast forward a bit. A woman named Darlene Fisher emailed Bobby Joe about adopting a puppy from her for her children for Christmas. And Darlene also posted to Bobby on the Ratter Chatter forum. Her message said exactly it was, I was recommended to you by Jason Dawson and have been unable to reach you by either phone or email. Please get in touch with me as we are considering the purchase of one of your puppies and we would like to ask you a few questions. So mm. Jason Dawson was another member of the Rat Terrier group. And Dar- and honestly I had no idea Rat Terriers were so popular. Uh, I, I, yeah, I guess. In Missouri. And so Darlene had initially emailed Jason Dawson, this other member of the Rat Terrier group, and asked him if he knew any breeders with puppies in the northern Missouri area. And he had given her Bobby Joe's information and website because he knew that she ha- just had a litter of puppies. 
Um, and Bobby had been working, but she did finally reply that night, December 15th, saying, Darlene, I have emailed you with directions so we can meet. I do so hope that the email reaches you. It was great chatting with you on Messenger. And I do look forward to chatting with you tomorrow. Because she's a sweet angel, babe. I know she says, thanks. Talk to you soon, darling. Have a great evening, Bobby. Oh, so nice. Hi. Yeah, she was cute too. She was cute. She just had like curly hair. She just had like a very, um, like sweet face, you know. We'll post it on Instagram, but it was sad. So December 16th, the next day, Bobby Joe was at home in Zeb was at work and she was taking care of their dogs and their puppies and she was talking to her mama on the phone and around 2.30 there was a knock at the front door of Bobby's house. So she hung up with her mom and she told her mom that the woman was there to see the puppies and she would see her later that day. And when Bobby Joe opened the door Darlene Fisher wasn't there because it was Lisa Montgomery. Dun dun dun. (laughs) Montgomery she pushed the full term pregnant Bobby Joe into her own home where she pulled out a cord and started to strangle her from behind. And once Bobby Joe had stopped moving, Lisa Montgomery took a kitchen knife and cut through her stomach and into the womb until she was able to pull a baby girl out of Bobby Joe's stomach. I am physically ill at the at that. That makes me physically ill. It's, I'm like shaking talking about it. Yeah. It's so it's, awful. I can't even, I mean, as, as moms, <laughs> I think it's. Oh my gosh. Like you, I, I like, know. That's your, that's your baby. Like you feel them grow and kick and they're, I, I can't yeah. even imagine. That's what makes this case so crazy because it's so intense. It's such a like, oh my, oh my God, crime. Who would, who would do that? Yeah. It's unlike, I think fetal abduction is unlike anything else and it really is it is it is it is one of the most personal crimes i think that someone could commit i agree she took um so she took the baby and she wrapped her in a blanket and she just walked out to her car with her and drove away about an hour later bobby's mother becky came to bobby and zeb's but she found this horrific scene i can't even she immediately called 911 and told them that it looked like her daughter's stomach had exploded exploded but there was no baby she didn't see a baby and so paramedics arrived and bobby joe was pronounced dead at the hospital from blood loss but based on her injuries and the fact that she was technically full term they thought that the baby was probably small but alive somewhere so you said she died from blood loss so she didn't mm-hmm. she wasn't strangled she was like, strangled but but her- i mean like she wasn't like strangled to death yeah I don't think she was all the way dead yet. Oh. Because it lists her death as blood loss, which is like a million times worse. I agree. So they started the investigation immediately because it's a baby. Time is of the essence. Yeah, absolutely. And they interview all the neighbors and they find out that there had been an older red car parked in front of the Sinnott's house around 2.30 that day. And the police did something that was unprecedented for the situation and they issued an answer. Amber Alert. So I know like, you're like, well, it's a missing child. Of course they issued an Amber Alert. But in order to issue an Amber Alert, there has to be reasonable belief that the child abducted is in imminent danger. The child has to be younger than 17. And there has to be enough descriptive information about the victim and the abduction. So it was unprecedented because they didn't have any description of the baby. No, they had nothing. They didn't have a name. They didn't have what it looked like. All they had was an older 
red car. That's it. But regardless, they issued one on December 17th. And the news that a pregnant mother had been murdered and her baby cut from her stomach was everywhere. I mean, this is Skidmore, Missouri is a pretty small town anyways. And it just spread like wildfire. It was crazy. Oh, yeah, because it's so horrific. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, I'm sure (laughs) I probably wasn't paying that close of attention to the news in 2004, but I'm sure we would have seen it in Indiana had it been, had I been watching. Yeah, I can guarantee I was not paying attention to the news in 2004. <laughs> um, Maybe MTV news, and if it's not, if it was just yeah. on that, I had no idea. For sure. I was, I was watching Fuse, okay, getting my music video fixed. Yeah, that's um, it. And my computer screen to check my MySpace, but that's about <laughs> the extent of the news that I got. So one of the fellow Rat Terrier enthusiasts from Ratter Chatter recognized Bobby Joe from all of this footage of her on the news and she was like that is my friend from Ratter Chatter and Diane Sitkar logged in and reviewed all of Bobby's last posts just like you know reminiscing but she noticed that there was a back and forth between Bobby Joe and Darlene Fisher in which Bobby had agreed to meet with her on the 16th she had listed her address with directions to her house and Sitkar noticed that Darlene Darlene's screen name was Fisher for Kids. Which was like, that's weird. That's That's suspicious. <laughs> Death suspicious. So she called the so FBI. Suspicious. She called the FBI. And as we have already gathered, Darlene Fisher did not exist. It was always had... Lisa Montgomery. What? I had no idea. <laughs> the FBI traced the emails from, quote, Darlene Fisher in Fairfax, Missouri, end quote. And they traced them to a computer belonging to Kevin Montgomery in Melbourne, Kansas. Kevin was the husband of Lisa Montgomery, alias Darlene Fisher. So the FBI just go. They're like, okay, this is where we're going. And I stop putting stuff on your computer, people. They're going. To, they're going to track it. Yes, you are not going to get like. I think she thought she was being slick by being like. She's like, I'm hey, Jason use this Dawson. Here. It's me, Darlene Fisher. You know of any puppies? Even though, like, instead of. I don't know. Darlene Fisher 674 at I'm gonna steal your baby.com. I know. It's the worst. I I always love a stupid criminal. I hate cases like this, but in 2000, I guess in 2004, you don't think about it. I mean, computers are a big deal, but it's not like now where you know the government is watching every little thing <laughs> that you do. You can tell by your ad placement on all of that. Like, I, I, they probably just did. She just did, obviously didn't know her poor husband. Yeah, honestly, now she could have just Googled her address and shown up. Yeah, isn't that crazy? (laughs) Yeah, it's scary. I don't like thinking about it. So the FBI, they just head over to the house that the computer is located at. When they get there, there is no one there. So they wait and no one is there because Lisa Montgomery was at that very moment showing her brand new newborn baby named Abigail at a local diner. Mm -mm -mm. She said that she had gone into labor while she was shopping and she drove to the hospital and gave birth and was released all in one day, which it is not that easy. No, Um, I tried to get freed and they still wouldn't let you go. Like. Like, uh, no, ma'am. That was three kids deep. So, like, I knew what I was doing at that point. Like, You're like, come on, let me out of here. Put me in, coach. I'm ready. (laughs) So, um, after she was released the same day, she called her husband and teenagers to come pick her up. And with it, 
<laughs> Here she is. Within hours of waiting at the home, they had traced the computer to an old red Toyota Corolla pulled into the driveway at the house where the FBI agents were waiting. Lisa told them that she gave birth the day before at the birthing center in Topeka, Kansas. And again, detectives were like, nope, you did not do that. There is no record of that. We have already checked. And so she, yeah, she just broke down and told them everything. There was very little like coercing it out of her. She just told them. And her husband is just like, what the just happened? Because he really had believed that Lisa was pregnant and all of her friends that she was showing this baby to at the diner, they were surprised that she had had this baby because she never seemed to get any bigger, but they took her word for it. It was just a very like strange situation. Yeah, I guess like, I don't know. I didn't gain as much with my daughter, but I mean, you could still tell I was pregnant. Now my middle son, I look like I ate three other people and just Yeah, and and she had said she was supposed to give birth in December of this year, of that year. So she would have been, you know, nine months pregnant. That's weird. But Lisa did have a history of lying about being pregnant and having miscarriages and abortions. Actually, after she was arrested and while she was on trial, her ex-husband, who was also her stepbrother that what? she... Yes. Oh. So she married her stepbrother <laughs> when she was 18 and had four kids with him. Oh, that's... An, oh. And her mom was like, no, Lisa, don't do it. But she did it four times at least. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you points for that one. Like <laughs> Thank the- you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm going to put them in my, uh, in my planner as my tally marks. But, uh, oh my God. You know that I, <laughs> it brings a whole new light to it. We tell me that it was her stepbrother. Cause now I'm like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> oh, it's this kind of party. Yeah. It, I can't even. <laughs> Honestly, I can't make jokes because we have listeners from all over the country. (laughs) So we'll just move on. His name is Carl, but he was also an abusive man towards her. He was he was an abusive dude, but he told the courts that she had had her tubes tied in 1990 at the doctor's recommendation because her fourth child had been born prematurely and he didn't think that another pregnancy was safe for her and she was essentially involuntarily sterilized because of it. Mm. So after that happened, she ended up faking a total of five pregnancies. Two while she was married to Carl and another three while she was married to Kevin. And the day before Bobby Joe's murder, Lisa had called Carl to tell him that she was going to prove him wrong because he had told her that he was going to tell the courts about all of her fake pregnancies and get custody of their kids. Which I know we've talked about it before, but sadly in the United States for the dad to get custody, that's, that's a big deal. Because 90% of the time, that is not how it works. Yeah, it must have already been pretty rocky. He told her that he was going to prevent her from being able to see her children. But Kevin had genuinely believed that she had been pregnant. But he had a relative. Huh? That hurts me so much. I know, that sucks. He had a relative that told him that Lisa had her tubes tied, but he didn't know what it meant. And he told investigators that the first two times she was pregnant, she said that she had to have a abortions because of fetal deformities but then the third time she murdered a lady and stole that woman's baby that's a whole lot of stuff going on 
Yeah. Yeah. And it isn't, okay, this part isn't relevant, but it, I mean, it is, it's mostly just funny. Kevin's ex-wife also testified against Lisa and said that Kevin was easy to manipulate because he was dumb. (laughs) It hurts me so, but I guess that is, is like, kind of is like a damn girl. Like, damn, Gina, why you guys say it like that? (laughs) But I guess you have to, because people are going to be like, wait a second. I mean, I would start to think that he had some, you know, like, you didn't know that your wife wasn't pregnant? Like, how did you not you didn't know? know that like, your wife wasn't nine months pregnant? Yeah, but if he's like, oh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And then like, 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 oh, a goofy no, noise. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, no, he probably didn't because he's dumb. Like, that's. <laughs> I know. It's like sick burn, Kevin's but also, ex-wife. Yeah, that's. But also sad burn. Yeah, that's uh, sad. So Lisa Montgomery ended up pleading not guilty to kidnapping leading to murder. And her defense was insanity, which is fair for a number of reasons. But their main argument was that in addition to suffering from depression and borderline personality disorder and PTSD, she also had um, pseudosiasis, which is when a woman's brain tricks her into thinking that she's pregnant. And then her body starts showing physical signs. Um, And people like experts did confirm this, but no experts actually testified that she did have this specific psychosomatic condition which honestly i would i would think that if they would have the outcome may have been different yeah it's i (laughs) give me just a minute i'll tell you about it so the reason that lisa montgomery had all these conditions was because she suffered incredible trauma from the time that she was a very small child until she was an adult and she was in kindergarten her mother married a man named Jack and they moved to a trailer in Oklahoma and her stepdad promptly began beating her and her mother, but her mother had already been beating her before that. Um, eventually, Jack built a shed off of the side of the trailer and that shed became a tiny house of horrors. In this shed, she was regularly raped by her stepfather and his friends who he let do whatever they want, wanted to her. She was then trafficked by her mother and stepfather and sold to groups of random men to be gang raped and beaten and tortured. Lisa's cousin testified that during her trial, uh, men used to pee on her after raping her if she didn't do it like they liked. And yeah, it's awful. And Carl testified that, that, I mean, this is why this happened all the way until she was 18 and married Carl and moved away, which is, I'm guessing is why she probably married her stepbrother. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. he said that Lisa told him she would just try to go away in her mind and not be present, which yeah, duh. Yeah. She probably learned how to disassociate at an early age. Yeah. So she also had a sister named Diane, who was taken from their house as a child by CPS and adopted by a family. So essentially the first dad left. And when he left, Diane was taken and she was interviewed that saying that when she was there, their mother was also incredibly physically abusive. Uh, She would step in to take the beatings. And because of this, she was constantly bruised all over her body. She said their mother used to make her strip down naked and stand in the snow and tell her until she was allowed to come in. She was also raped by her mother's male friends that she would just, her mo- their mother would disappear and just leave them with random men at their house. And Diane didn't get to meet her sister after she was taken out of her mother's custody until she found out about the murder. I 
can acknowledge that someone had a horrible, tragic childhood that led them to be the way they are. I just, I have a hard time, I have a hard time letting that be like, uh, well, okay, this, you have an excuse to be like that because there are tons of serial killers who had equally as traumatic childhoods and they were, they suffered the same fate as Lisa Montgomery, which is the, like, I hate it because as a woman, like, I feel kind of dirty saying that about another woman because I can't even imagine imagine that kind of trauma like at all like I can't imagine having that level of abuse my entire life but I think there are plenty of other people who have that kind of abuse and they don't murder a woman and take her baby or murder whole bunches of people like other people do that's fair I actually have um I read this really awesome article and it's on prism and it's by Tamar Sarai Davis and I will link it because it's very good and there's a quote in it and it says despite the growing opposition to the death penalty our social response to women who face abuse and then later lash out has yet to evolve. Uh, the lady who said this, her name was Delphine Lortel, and she's the executive director of the Cornell Center on the Death Penalty Worldwide. And she said that it's due in part to the public's inability to square the complexity of women defendants being both perpetrators of harm and survivors of it. So yeah, like, and- when thinking of women, especially, it's difficult to see and overcome the idea that someone can be both a victim and the perpetrator, because in normal brain, you can only be one, which makes yeah. sense to me. Just yeah. kind of enlightened me a little bit when I was reading about that. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I get that. I see I it. just, it's. I I don't know. I, I I don't know how to explain it. It's like I get I I understand that when you are a victim, male or female, when you're a victim of that level of abuse for your entire life, there are parts of your brain that are not going to develop properly. It's the yeah, same they're thing. They're broken. If, yeah, like if you are a child from a young age and your mother beats you and then you grow up to murder only women is a way to like, you know, Process. you're taking it out on your you're taking it out on your mom. Like I I just just don't personally I think that in situ like she needed intensive therapy that she'd never obviously received like yeah and all throughout clear. this there was a judge there was a police officer there was a teacher that all suspected that she was being sexually abused and none of them ever did anything about it in her teen years even that pisses me off like yeah. that's the there's nothing and, that makes me more mad in cases that we cover than when it's like oh such and such thought this was happening such and such thought this was happening and then nothing ever comes from it it's like oh it's just yeah. like so like when we covered just Sylvia Likens. Any like of those people taking care of what was happening then could have prevented this from happening now. Exactly. You have to step up. Th- these type of conversations are not easy to have, but you have to have them because you may not just be saving their life. You may be saving someone else's life when they inevitably snap because it's going to happen. You cannot have that level of abuse and trauma with, with no, if you have no, no one is, you're, you're going to think that no one's ever going to protect you ever like that your entire life anyone that you're supposed to trust has done this to you mom dad you know all of this male figures in your life like the people that are supposed to protect you and if you have teachers and stuff that they also knew what happened like it's like one of those it's no surprise that eventually like she was going to do something eventually (laughs) inevitably yes yeah like it's 
And I mean, and also like your access to mental health care is probably like non-existent in yeah. BFE, Kansas or Missouri or wherever you're yeah, living. Yeah. And that's, I think that's one of the best things about 2021 is more and more people are more open about their mental health and the struggles that they have. I mean, you and I are open about it. Like, you know, like, okay, I haven't heard from Connie today. I need to check in to make sure she's having a good day or, you know, vice versa. Like it's, is she trying to sleep it away again? Yeah, it's you, <laughs> sorry. No, it's true. It's very true. <laughs> but it's it's more of an open conversation that you can have. Like men can talk about or they it's getting to where men can be like, oh, yeah, I struggle with severe anxiety. I struggle with severe depression. And it's not taboo. You're not broken because you have these type of issues. People have these issues without this horrific trauma. So you add trauma to it. And it's like a pop bottle that you're just shaking and shaking and shaking. Eventually, you're going to explode on something. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, So during during this whole trial, her legal team was all male and they had never had any kind of training with like these specific the cases where the perpetrator had trauma and instead of presenting like you know we've talked about how when you present evidence to a case it has to be like solid and oh absolutely specific um instead of producing solid evidence about like any of that torture her attorney read a poem about rape instead of like producing like maybe expert testimony that links trauma to crimes committed um something like that, you know? So yeah, Lisa I, was found guilty of the federal offense, kidnapping resulting in death in 2007 and she was sentenced to death by legal, illegal. She was sentenced to death by lethal injection. Okay, so in general circumstances, a crime is federal when it violates United States federal legal codes or when the individual carries out criminal activity over multiple states. So okay, it is so because it yeah, yeah, it's okay. because she took the baby from Missouri to Kansas. Yeah, because the baby she was healthy, by the way, she was returned to her dad. And I mean, she probably turned 16. But yeah, like, how awful is it that like your birthday is also the day that, that your, mom your mom was murdered? Yeah, that sucks. That's hard. That's real and hard. Like I said, I'm not trying to disparage the fact that she did this crime because it's the worst thing in the world. Um, I just it's so hard to see both of these like traumatic things happen all in one big messy like pot of chili. It's just crazy to me to think that had she not drove from Missouri, she probably would not have had the death penalty. Yeah, that's true. But last Wednesday, January 13th, 2021 at 1.35 in the morning, Lisa Montgomery became the first woman executed on federal death row in 67 years. And it was wild. They executed her seven and a half hours late. Um, the Monday before, a district court judge had granted a halt to the execution said that and said that they needed to confirm her mental competence. But then at midnight on Wednesday, like an hour before they actually executed her, the Supreme Court rejected a final stay application and they sent the orders to clear her for execution. And they didn't waste any time. It was like, Yeah, it boom. was just like as fast as possible. And Which afterwards, we- her lawyer said that this quote is just like so metal. She said, the craven bloodlust of a failed administration was on full display tonight. Everyone who participated in the execution of Lisa Montgomery should feel shame. Mm. And as I said before, there's 
there have been a lot of these cases in the last, you know, 15 years. And some of them, the mom does die. And some of them, the babies die. And then some of them, they both die. But Lisa Montgomery has been the only person ever sentenced to death for this specific crime. And some of, what is, what's ahead, crazy to me about it is, again, I tend to lead more death penalty in more cases than Meg. But in this specific case, and it's hard for me because I have people that I love very dearly that struggle with infertility that have went through tons of fertility treatments. So it's hard for me to like be like, you know what, I do not believe she should have had the death penalty in this case, because it is such a horrible case. And I feel kind of sick even saying that because I do think, you know, Bobby Joe's family should have the closure that they deserve. But I also yeah, think her that whole community was like, no, she needs the death penalty, which is fair. They like I would feel yeah, that they, way too. Absolutely. If it were my sister, or you know, it would if it were you, I would be like, oh, yeah, again, death penalty. But yeah, that's why you back, can't put like jurors on cases where they know the, <laughs> the victim. But like something has to be said if this is the only person ever to be and she didn't have a criminal background. Exactly. Not- exactly. And some of these some of the people that have committed these crimes, they have pled insanity and they are in mental institutions. Some of them Which, got plea deals and they only spent 25 to 50. Do you think she if she would have taken a plea deal or if she would have pled guilty, it would have been a different outcome. I don't know. I honestly don't it's, know. That's hard. It's hard. So when... weird. And I think I think probably her legal team is a little to blame for that because they were probably oh, yeah. like, what do we do and with if, this? And it's a whole different ball game when you, I mean, it's a whole different ball game going from like, okay, a state offense to federal offenses because the rule, I, it's not as forgiving. Yeah. So <laughs> I just want to bring this up because it's another like stark contrast. So there was one case of fetal abduction and they killed the mother. They killed her two older children. They didn't kill her baby, but they cut the ba- the other baby she was pregnant with from her womb and took those two babies and they got life. Like, they did not penalty. And if anybody, like, this one who killed the woman and two of her kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, <sighs> I think what makes it hard in a case like this is it was 100. You, It's okay. Most of the time when an insanity case is like it's accepted, it's because it was a mental break. I just did this on a whim. I wasn't planning. But this was very much premeditated. And that's where the biggest thing is. It wasn't. Yeah. It was yeah. very, I'm willing very to bet that's why her like, you know, insanity, please probably kept getting dismissed was because like she had obviously planned it out as well as she could. I think it would have been different if she would have showed up to Bobby Joe's house as herself, never made the whole... As like, hey, let's have a pregnancy get together and then she, you're right, she probably wouldn't have gotten the death penalty had she or if like Yeah, or like, you know, in 2021 where you can just Google if she just showed up, like no rhyme or reason, like there's no evidence of her like even communicating before, but she went out of the way to plan to try to give like, oh, it's Yeah, this from thing. the time she announced that she was pregnant. Yeah, it, she played the long game with it and that's the only reason why I would say, okay, I agree that the 
insanity defense cannot be used here because yeah. it was so premeditated. It doesn't make it any less like I do think I don't think she should have been executed. I think that she should be in a mental institution. Well, should have exactly. been. Exactly. Like, do I think her crime was heinous and terrible and she should be punished or like institutionalized? 100% yes. Do I think that the system failed Mo Montgomery for her entire life? And it's probably why this even came to pass. Also, yes. Like, <laughs> it's hard though when we cover this case and we're like, okay, she she was put to death, but you got Chris Watts sitting there, like just yeah, pompous. who murdered his family. Yeah, his family. Like, and he was like, oh, I think I'm gonna take a plea deal. I hate even talking about cases like this in general, and it's I know it was just. <laughs> it was relevant like when I started like looking into it and researching it and then we last week happened and I was like oh snap we already have this episode cool let's do it yeah and it's crazy that it was as sudden once they okayed it it was as sudden it's just like okay done yeah. an hour later it's like happened and we briefly touched on it last time we recorded this episode but lethal injection is awful that's another reason we're so at least I'm so like ugh because it's not like a oh they just go to sleep it's okay it's it's a horrible way to die can you explain it to me again so everyone can hear so there's three different drugs that are administered the first drug is like a sedative it relaxes them um it doesn't completely sedate them the second drug is a muscle paralytic so every muscle in their body becomes paralyzed so it just shuts them down yeah it shuts you down and then the third one is the one that you know just takes, takes you out takes you out i have such varying ideas on people who truly deserve the death penalty and I like know, sometimes it could be like yeah throw them in a bag into a lake sometimes it's like no they probably didn't deserve that and sometimes it's like just cut their head off and put it on a spike for take, the world like to see. let's in like severe child cases i'm like Give them to the parents and then just like it's 100%. a free for all. Like it's a free for all. And then like in those same cases, I'm like, let's bring back medieval torture devices. And Did you see it that case where, uh, I can't remember what country it was in, but her like abusive, her abuser poured acid on her face and his sentence was that she was allowed to pour acid on his face and she didn't do it. She was like, I'm the bigger person here. And I was like, really? You. I would have done it. Yeah, I would have do it. But and she's like, I mean, she's physically deformed from the acid attack that bestowed upon her. Oof, yeah, I would have absolutely I'll link you that one. Yeah, I I would have absolutely done the acid. I always say if something happens to my kids, like I can promise I can find them before the police can. <laughs> and it's game over. Like I will gladly go through a prison sentence. I, I would I would do it. I believe it. I mean, I would do. I just I'm just not going to like talk it talk about it because I hope I never have to. No, we never will have to. For one, my <laughs> <laughs> I already know. <laughs> There's no way that our kids are. I'm probably going to have my microchipped at some point. <laughs> Uh, but but hey, guys, I'd love to microchip my kids. I would do. I would absolutely. <laughs> I would microchip them in a heartbeat. There's the trend on uh, the girl on TikTok who has the hand chip. Chip girl? 
Yeah, Tip she's girl. awesome. I would definitely I need to sign up. Every time I see her do it, I'm like, maybe I want a chip. <laughs> I start to think that too. I'm all, I mean, I know my husband would do it. He's all about yeah. making his life easier. Yeah, my husband was immediately like, he's like, I can't wait so I can get a microchip in my brain and barely have to think. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And I was just like, cool. I, I, I literally cannot have a microchip in my brain. They're going to be like, okay, so <laughs> she needs are committed. going to institutionalize you. <laughs> I always think this same thing i'm sure you do or anyone that's into true crime like oh god i hope they're not looking at my search history (laughs) can someone hear my thoughts that's what i think sometimes i'm like what if there really are mutants and some of them can hear my thoughts right now this is not good that's why people stay away from us (laughs) (laughs) because they can hear us We're like, oh God, someone get out of here. Well, guys, let us know. This is, I mean, I'm sure you'll let us know if one way or another, but let us know what you guys think about this. Uh, we love extra input that's not just ours. Cause Yeah, you can tell me I'm wrong or what I feel about it. It was kind of like a twofer. I told you kind of about two horrific crimes. And uh, yeah, tell us what you think. If you just want to tell us that we're weird and we're assholes for thinking the way that we do, just let us know. Oh, also, you guys should know that Connie put up a TikTok video and it got <laughs> 80,000 views. 80,000. And we were just watching it go up like, what's happening? Are we are we famous now? It was pretty magical. It was a magical moment. Okay, I have we we back in the day, Meg and I thought we were going to be YouTube famous. Like back in the day, and it took this. We will never say the video, but this video we is made one video, yeah, one video. It was out in the universe, and then like Megan and I had a brief hiatus where we drifted apart, and our love didn't exist as much as it does now, but. <laughs> We, I happened to peek in on this video and I was like, oh my God, I'm famous. It has 10,000 views after 10 years. But this yeah, one, I was like, oh my God. For the record, then, it's been 15 years. The best, <laughs> the best part is no one is more surprised and confused that, that video has as many views as it does as our husbands because they don't understand our podcast. We have two husbands that do Why not do listen. people like you guys? Yeah. They, we have two like husbands. They don't. They're just faking. We have husbands who do not listen to our podcast. No, not even one time have they listened to it. They're like, mine will listen to the sound quality and be like, oh yeah, that sounds good. But like, it's like a minute and then it's that's it. He's like, oh, sorry, I'm not your audience. I'm not your <laughs> that's exactly what my husband says and then when i showed my husband i was like hey i think i'm going viral and at this point it was like ten thousand views i was like what the heck happened like and to kind of give people we went from 21 followers on tiktok to like 2000 <laughs> in a matter of 24 hours tiktok's crazy yeah i i think they're very free-flowing with who they follow people don't really care but it's it's kind of funny and so i said when you were like what's that i was like i feel like people are Instagram are so picky about who they follow. They'll be like, mm, no, mm, no. But like, if someone likes even one of your videos, they'll just follow you. Yeah, they're like, it's you know cool. what? Looks cool. But yeah, for 30 year old women to have that, it was very, we went <laughs> yeah, from but- like, I remember we did a reel and it had like 1500 views. And I was like, oh my God, Meg, look at this. And then now it's like, holy crap. So <gasps> to everyone who listened to us from the ground floor when we're famous, <laughs> we'll remember you. Also, if you're here from TikTok, thanks. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Welcome. A lot of people told us we were stupid. (laughs) I'm gonna outgrow this podcast because I'm pretty much a TikTok influencer now. now. Yeah, my TikTok star. Just kidding. I felt a lot of social anxiety even making (laughs) the TikTok. 
I know you were like, can you go look in the drafts and tell me what you think? And I was like, just post it. I can't find it. I get so weird and I have I have so much anxiety always because as an Aquarius, I like to pretend I don't care what people think, but I do. <laughs> I care deeply. We know. Shout out. It's almost Aquarius season. Aquarius. It's Meg's favorite people season. All of her yeah, loved that's ones. That's true. Are. All, of, all of my loves in my life are Aquarii and I'm cool with it. It's good. Yeah. We're a lot of, we're, we're like a whole bunch of stuff all in one. It's like, a it's been like that for my whole life too. Cause I was little, everyone that has, a, mo- mostly everyone, pretty much everyone that has gotten like really close to me. Aquarius. Get me. <laughs> you mesh well. All right, guys. I'm sorry we rambled at the end, but whatever. If you don't listen you to it, you can turn it off. It's fine. You may, we may, whoever's still with us at this point, uh, follow us on Instagram. You can follow <laughs> us on TikTok now at Gruesome Podcast. And yeah, that's it for today. Thank you all so much for listening to Gruesome True Crime with me, Connie, and Meg. We appreciate every single one of you. We truly do. If you actually like us and you're not just trying to seduce and murder us, you can follow along or see extras from the show on our Instagram at Gruesome Podcast. Or if you want to tell us our skin would make a nice lampshade, or if you have follow-up questions about the episode, follow the form on our website, gruesomepodcast.com, and email us. We love hearing from you guys. You can listen to Gruesome at the links listed on that website, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you normally get your podcast fill. Thank you again. Be sure to subscribe. Check your back seat before you get into your car. And remember that on Wednesdays, we're We're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 